Vaccines. I know this is a controversial topic, but we've been told that the science has been settled, they're safe and effective, but are they really? And what are healthcare providers really taught about vaccines? If you missed my last episode, my background is in nursing, and today I want to share with you all I didn't learn about vaccines in school. The Vigilant Mama is for you. The busy mom who wants to stay informed about current events, but you find yourself short on time and a little overwhelmed. Here we talk about all the things chasing life, liberty, and the pursuit of health. My name is Becca, and I'm excited to spend some time with you today. Grab your coffee and let's chat. All right, I wanted to do this episode because it's one of the things that really opened my eyes to a lot of corruption in healthcare, unfortunately. But I think it's one of those things that a lot of parents take for granted, and many parents spend more time researching the car seat that they're going to put their kids in rather than what they're actually injecting into their bodies. And I feel it's really important to look into this because you can always catch up on vaccines, but you can never unvaccinate. And I've met so many parents who feel like they didn't do a good job researching this. And so I really want to just open your eyes today to what we were taught about vaccines in school and a lot that I've learned that we weren't taught about vaccines in school. So I'm going to start out by telling you about pharmacology. Pharmacology is a semester-long class where we had to learn all about how drugs work in the body, how the body processes them, and also the different classes and kinds of medications. We had to memorize common side effects for many different classes of drugs, and I don't remember vaccines being mentioned once in this class at all. Once I got to my last semester of school, we finally briefly covered vaccines. There were a total of about three pages in our book talking about this medical procedure, and I asked a question in class that I'll tell you about in a minute here, but all that to say the topic was barely brushed over in school. We were pretty much handed the schedule, and that was it. We spent way more time in our skills class going over needle sizes and lengths and how to properly give vaccines than what we're actually injecting when we were giving them. We never once talked about the different ingredients in vaccines. We talked briefly about the quote unquote, very small risk of vaccines. We were told these were quote unquote, extremely rare. We only talked about anaphylactic reactions or an extreme rash as an adverse event. The truth is, even if you read through a package insert, which by the way, we are not talked about in school, we were not required to read through them or anything, there are a lot more side effects than just those two things we talked about in school. The VAERS, or the V-A-E-R-S, which stands for Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, was mentioned, but that was it. There was no guidance on how to navigate it because we were told that we would likely never need it. In pharmacology class, like I mentioned, we talked extensively about how doctors use medications in spite of side effects, but yet in the complex health alterations class later in my education, I specifically asked how we determine the risks when it comes to vaccines. The teacher pointed directly to me and looked at me like I was an idiot, and she told me, and I quote, When it comes to vaccines, the benefits always outweigh the risks. So that was when it really dawned on me that vaccines are the holy grail of medicine. Now, what do I mean by this? So vaccines are basically the one size fits all with no regard to age, weight, or medical conditions. People with autoimmune conditions in their family should not be getting most vaccines. 
preemies at chronological age are vaccinated with the same dose of vaccines as full-grown babies, and we're told that they work, and even every year when the flu shot comes out and isn't all that effective, we're still told that it's better to get it. So it's really interesting because a lot of other medications, like what we talked about in pharmacology class, we learned about how to dose them, how to know if something was a safe dose based on weight or age or what to look out for, for liver toxicity for certain medications. We're not taught any of this about vaccines, even though this is the one thing that newborns get on the day that they're born. We weren't told about ingredients in vaccines. So if you didn't know, vaccines contain abortive fetal tissue. There's been no long-term studies on what kind of impact DNA from another person or another gender can have on the immune system. Thimerosal, which is a mercury derivative in case you don't know, is still present in some vaccines. Formaldehyde and polysorbate 80 are both known carcinogens. Aluminum is a known neurotoxin, and just as a little aside, aluminum is found in high amounts in both people with Alzheimer's and autism. Egg protein. Eggs are up there on the list of allergies for kids, which my kids are allergic to eggs. Sorbitol is an artificial sweetener. Bovine cow serum is something that is associated with a connective tissue disorder. And then phenoxyethanol is a nervous system toxin. And these are just a small number of the ingredients that are very common in vaccines. If you really want a full list of ingredients, you can um, do a search on the internet called an excipient list. I will try to leave a link to one of those in the show notes. The thing about all these ingredients is we're told that they're in such small amounts that they are deemed safe. But many of these small amounts are more than what is deemed safe by the EPA. Not only that, but all of these ingredients bypass every one of the body's natural defense systems. So if you think about it, God made your body. He made it whole. And it's my belief that he wasn't like, oh, darn, I forgot that you're going to need this. And if you really do some research on like breastfeeding and things like that, your body will make the antibodies that your baby needs. And in fact, an immune system isn't fully developed until somewhere between six and 10 years old. And yet we're manipulating it by bypassing all the natural defense systems like the skin, the digestive and the immune system. This allows all the ingredients to get into the most vulnerable parts of our bodies, and some of them even cross the blood-brain barrier. So let's talk about the safety of vaccines. You can't see it right now, but I did a presentation on this You can the, where there's safety data. Um, these are the injuries that are reported through the VARERS system. It's a high amount, and it's estimated that only about 10% of adverse events are even reported. We hear all the time that vaccines are safe and effective, but there are no double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trials. So you guys, this is a gold standard of medical testing for any drug, any medication, anything like that. But to my knowledge, there is no, like, if you do a placebo test for a vaccine, it should be saline in the other syringe. And with vaccines, it's not. I have not found one study that does this gold standard of testing. And last I checked, as of recently, the VAERS, we'll talk about this later, but they've paid out over 4 billion in vaccine injuries. If they're so safe, that's a large number. So let's think about this. 
On the day of birth, babies are given both the vitamin K shot, which is synthetic vitamin K, and we'll, we may talk about that another time. Um, but basically, it means that it's made in the lab. It's not natural. The vitamin K shot has a black box warning. What this means is that severe reactions, including fatalities, have been reported following intramuscular administration. The prophylactic benefits go against hemorrhagic disease are unlikely to exceed the potential adverse events from intramuscular vitamin K. This is from the British Medical Journal. So one of the bigger reasons that they give the vitamin K injection is typically because of circumcision, which I'm not going to get into today, but just know that traditionally circumcision was done on the eighth day when breastfeeding was well established. And it also didn't look anything like the modern circumcisions that we do today, but For little boys, especially, they want to give them this vitamin K shot because when they do circumcision, they want that blood to clot well. So the Vaccine Act of 1986 established a no-fault compensation plan for families of children injured by vaccines. So far, just this year alone, this court has paid out nearly $140 million. So that's just this year. Like I mentioned, over the lifetime of this since 1986, if you were born in the 80s, you know how long that is nearly $4 billion. And like I said before, only about 10% of adverse events are even reported. And then these families have to go through a very, very rigorous trial to like undoubtedly prove that their injury was caused by vaccines. And a lot of families get no compensation whatsoever. So if you think about it, it is insane how much money we've paid out in vaccine injuries if they're so safe and effective. Not only that, but over 50% of our children now struggle with a chronic health issue like asthma, eczema. Younger and younger children are seeing things like diabetes and heart disease. And there are other things that are contributing to this. I'm not saying that this is completely caused by vaccines, but one would question if vaccines are a contributing factor. So let's talk about conflict of interest. Um, In addition, a textbook given to students was published by Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin, and Persaud found that the lecturer, Dr. Roman Jovi, had received money from Purdue in the past. Um, So there is a big conflict of interest in medicine. I don't, most of you probably aren't aware, but a lot of medical curriculum is actually backed and written by drug makers. In the last few years, there was a big debacle at Harvard The revolt began when a first-year medical student, quote-unquote, grew wary when a professor promoted cholesterol drugs and seemed to belittle a student who asked about side effects. Hmm, that sounds familiar. He later discovered that the professor, a full-time Harvard medical faculty member, was a paid consultant to 10 drug companies, including manufacturers of cholesterol drugs. You guys, you can't make this stuff up. It's very, there's a huge conflict of interest in in medicine right now. And I would say even, especially with the coronavirus thing going on right now, um, Dr. Fauci sits on the board of the Gates Foundation, which Bill Gates is very openly talking about a coronavirus vaccine um, and has said, we won't get back to to life as normal until there is a vaccine. And Fauci is pushing this as well, but there's a huge conflict of interest there because he sits on the board and he stands to benefit from this. So you can't see it, but this has been pulled from the internet, and I'll try to leave some links to this in the show note, but there is a bonus structure from Blue Cross Blue Shield. You can see this in action during doctor's visits when patients are bullied into receiving vaccines or dismissed when they have questions. 
And I have seen this, I've experienced this myself, actually, um, when I was in nursing school and pregnant with my first child, I was asked to go to a doctor's visit with my in-laws as during a brain scan, they found a brain aneurysm in my mother-in-law. So this appointment was to discuss the brain aneurysm. And while the doc, while we were there, the doctor asked if she would be getting her flu shot. She politely declined and he pushed her and pushed her. And when she still declined, he got very angry and started yelling and even using profanity over at us over a flu shot. You guys, we were there for a brain aneurysm and he was fighting her on a flu shot. Myself in 2012, I was working for a local hospital that was bought out by a larger medical system in the area. I had been working there for about a year and it was fall. They were starting to set up times for employees to get the flu shot. I wrote into HR requesting a religious exemption and stating my religious beliefs. I was then brought into HR with the infection control nurse to discuss this. And by this point, it was almost Christmas. And I was finally notified on January 12th of the following year that I could reconsider or I'd be terminated. So we were like three to four months into flu season. And they, they finally told me that I could reconsider or be terminated. Um, I was terminated because I wouldn't get them. And I filed a complaint with the EEOC for, for violation of my religious beliefs. And I won because this is illegal. So this for me was almost 10 years ago. But you see it over and over. And even in the past couple of years, um, I applied for a nursing job and I, I was on a phone interview. And that was the third question they asked me is if I would be willing to get the flu shot every year. And when I told them no, the interview was over. Um, the hospital was penalized and seems to have loosened up their policy now because I have I know several people that work there. But you see this is because this happens because healthcare facilities get an extra 2% in Medicare reimbursement if the facility has a staff vaccination rate at 92% or higher. So again, it comes back to the money that that is made. And it's really interesting, the Blue Cross Blue Shield bonus structure that I was talking about before is for pediatricians. So it's really interesting that pediatricians actually make a good part of their money unless they're not unless they're cash pay unless they're not taking insurance but they get bonuses for how many fully vaccinated patients they have or they lose money by the percentage just like the the hospital would lose money if they didn't have a uh, staff member staff members if their staff vaccination rate wasn't at 90% or higher so it's really interesting to follow the money trail I want to talk real quickly about vaccines during pregnancy, just because this is something that is so heavily pushed. And I've dealt with moms who are pregnant, whether it's friends or clients or whatever. But so there are several different classes of medications during pregnancy. Class A is no risk in human studies. Class B is no risk in animal studies. Class C means that animal reproduction studies have shown an adverse effect on the fetus and there are no adequate and well-controlled studies in humans. Class D is positive evidence of risk and class X is contraindicated in pregnancy. So a lot of times if you're pregnant throughout the fall or throughout the winter, they're really, really going to push you to get both the flu shot and the DTP. It's really interesting because the flu shot, unless you ask for a single dose of vial, it still contains thimerosal, which is a mercury derivative. 
as a preservative. And we talked about earlier that things like mercury and aluminum are found in higher contents in the brain of people with Alzheimer's and autism. The DTaP is also not recommended during pregnancy. So I am not sure why they get away with pushing that one so much. And the thing is too, a lot of times they will scare people into doing this. And I even went to a visit with somebody recently who was pregnant and she was told we have a lot of whooping cough in this area. And so normally I wouldn't say it's a big deal, but since we have so much in this area, you should probably get this and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, God designed our bodies for whatever we are exposed to, to make antibodies for our babies. And those antibodies are passed along through breast milk once the baby is born. And I understand that there are some circumstances where a mom is not able to breastfeed, but even if a baby is able to get some breast milk, even if it's, even if they supplement with formula or whatever, they are helping to build their immune system through those antibodies. And it, It makes sense once you think about things from an intelligent design, because as babies get older, what do they do with every single thing that they have in their hands? They bring it to their mouth, don't they? And if you think about it, 80% of your gut, I'm sorry, 80% of your immune system lies in your gut. And so by babies bringing things to their mouth, they're basically introducing germs to their bodies to help train their immune systems to appropriately respond because that's the way God designed it. And another study shows that farm kids, kids who were raised on farms are healthier because they're actually exposed to a wider variety of microbes and children who are born in homes that are like over sanitized and stuff tend to have more issues with eczema or asthma because their immune systems aren't properly regulated and they're hypersensitive, which Honestly, I think you're going to see a lot more come out of this as the coronavirus thing plays out and as children start going back to school, um, whether they're sanitizing more or, you know, kids are being told to wear masks now in some places if they're over two years old. And I just, I cannot tell you enough from a logical perspective how little sense this makes. But Anyways, that is a quick deep dive on a lot of things I didn't learn about vaccines in school. There is so much more information out there. There are several good books. There are a lot of good documentaries. I would advise you that if you're on the fence about this issue, that you research until you are comfortable with your decision either way. I would never tell somebody not to vaccinate. I always tell people who come to me and ask me this question to do their research until they're comfortable with their decision either way. Because again, you can always catch up on vaccines down the road, but you can never, ever unvaccinate. And I mean, you can do heavy metal detoxes and things like that to try to rid your body of some of this stuff. But honestly, I don't think the repercussions of vaccines are ever erased and completely The body can heal. You can see progress and things like that. But I just, I don't think it's as easy as like just doing a detox because there are so many vax injured kids out there who just have not, and I don't think ever will completely get their lives back. But that is a quick synopsis for you. If you have questions for me, I'd love for you to connect with me over at vigilantmama.com. Hey friend, I hope you found today's episode helpful. If someone came to mind while you were listening, go ahead and share it with them. I'd also be so thankful if you left me a review. 
please visit me at vigilantmama.com to connect. As always, knowledge is power. Arm yourself.